thank you for coming on. I'm just, I'm so ecstatic that I, I get to speak to someone who's, who's made such impact and done such great work. And I, I also was just commenting to you a little bit earlier that I love your personality as well. You're just so down to earth and humble. Um, and it can very easily to the, to the average person where it's like, oh, she's, you know, she's not another Joe. She's someone who's, you've accomplished so many great things and helped companies uh, do the same as well. So I, I really appreciate having you. Oh, Andy, you. I want to jump into uh, your origin story. Um, you know, we, I, we talk about get to aha, and I want to jump deep dive into that a little bit. But let's talk about your origins from how you started your career and uh, what you were doing then um, to sort of help you uh, do what you're doing now with Cunningham Collective. Well, sure. Well, I'm old, so it's a long history. I'll try to make it short. <laughs> uh, but I started off my, uh, I graduated with an English literature degree from Northwestern University and got a job at a trade magazine in Chicago called Fleet Maintenance and Specifying. And so I was basically uh, someone who put together what they called the back of the book, which was all of the little tiny pieces about products and trucks and, you know, oil and fuel and all these other things that trucks had to deal with. And that's what I did for a while. And then I, I was, I got promoted to a feature writer. So now I got to write features about truck maintenance. Um, but this was not a job that paid particularly well, as you can imagine. So I decided to try to get another job and I wound up meeting a headhunter who introduced me to the public world of public relations. And of course I hated PR people because they were the ones sending me all those press releases about the stuff I had to put together in the back of the book. But at any rate, I, um, I ended up interviewing with two PR agencies that I fell in love with. One was one called Burson Marsteller and one was called uh, Daniel J. Edelman. And uh, I ended up selecting to work with Burson Marsteller. They both offered me a, a job. And because I'd been writing about trucks for so long, they threw me into what they call the technology group. Now we're talking about 1981 here. So uh, the technology group was not what we would think of as a technology group today, but it, but there were some cool products and services in there. One of them was Atari, the game company. So I got to work with them. And I did this amazing contest across the United States with the, the game Asteroids, which was really fun. But I also had a little company called Bell and Howell. And so those of you who are older, will remember Bell and Howell as the educational equipment technology company. So when I was a kid, they made all the projectors that we had in our classrooms, but they went on to do lots of other educational technology. And one of the things they did, and this is quite unique in history, they actually licensed the Apple II computer. Um, they bought a bunch of Apple IIs, they took off the beige cover, they put on a black cover, which was the Bell and Howell color, and they called it the Black Apple and they sold it into education long before Apple really, you know, pounded in on the education market. And I had this company as a client and they gave me one of these computers to use at the office, which back in 1981, really no one was using, very few people were using personal computers, but they gave it to me and I, I shared it with our librarian at Burson Marsteller and she and I would sit there for hours, you know, figuring out what you could do with this computer, all the software that was available then at the time, which was hardly any. Anyway, I fell in love with the personal computer industry and my boss knew this and he kept putting articles about Silicon Valley on my desk because this was in Chicago. And one day I found out that our company was gonna open up an office in Silicon Valley. And so I asked if I could go and interview to work in that office in California. So I flew out to California and I met with the person who was running the office and I just, it, he just didn't quite, um, give me the same inspiration that I was getting from 
from my boss back in Chicago. So I decided what the, I'll just interview with a couple of other agencies. So I did, I found some other agencies to interview on that little trip. And one of them was an agency called Regis McKenna. And I had the opportunity to meet with Regis himself, who is an amazing, an amazingly inspiring person and an amazing marketer. And he offered me the job on the spot, believe it or not, to run the launch of the Macintosh, which just blew me away. I, was, I mean, I was 26 years old. I, ha I had done a bunch of PR work, but I'd never launched a company or anything like this before. But I think he thought that I could work well with Steve Jobs. And anyway, of course, I took that opportunity. I moved out to California. And then I, that's when I had this incredible shot at working very closely with Steve and the whole Apple Macintosh division on the launch of the Macintosh. And that led to when Steve got fired from Apple, I decided to break off and start my own agency, never, thinking I would never see Steve Jobs again. Uh, but literally two weeks later, Steve founded a new company called Next and called me up to help him launch that. So I worked with him on that. And then he bought a company called Pixar and I got an opportunity to launch Pixar. And so I had this great opportunity with Steve over the course of probably five or six years that really shaped my whole career. So I was able to build a big agency uh, that I ended up selling a number of years later, learned how to do strategy, learned how to do marketing. And Steve Jobs was one of the most brilliant marketers on the planet, as was Regis McKenna. So I had this, these two amazing mentors and was able to, uh, to build a career on it. So I'm very grateful. That's how I, that's how I got here. 